Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you choose to listen to us. Welcome to a living piece of me. A show where guests come on, create a team, and it's not always be about their best players, just players they've enjoyed growing up. I'm your host, Ali, and my co-host back again with me is Ryan. How are you doing, Ryan? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. A couple of shows sabbatical for you. The boss came in and took over. Yeah, nice and easy, so I don't have to like you know learn loads of Leeds players and stuff like that, so it's a good start. I've got, I have a feeling with our, with our guest today, we both might need to learn. <laughs> learn. Yeah, so, uh, joining us today, we have Greg Kitchen, uh, a man in the post contributor. How are you doing, Greg? All right, how are you? Good evening, everyone. Yeah, very well, very well. How easy was it putting your team together? Um, a lot of them picked themselves. It was um, finding out that um, Iniesta hadn't retired was a bit of a shock. Um, but, yeah, a lot of them picked themselves. There was just a, a couple that. I was sweating over, um, and I've tried to put together a team that would actually operate, actually work. So that's good. Um, it's not we're not going to see any outrageous formations or some <laughs> some, some re- really pushing some you know. Pers- that's uh, too sensible. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> right. I tell you what. What formation did you choose then? Um, I've gone for a four-four-two um, diamond. Very nice. Very nice. Right, let's uh, let's get started with the with the goalkeeper. Then. So this is this is one of the ones I was I was really sweating on. Um, being a, being a Portsmouth fan, you know, the likes of Alan Knight or David James would have been um, right up there. Particularly Jamo, I think, was one of the most underappreciated and underrated goalkeepers that are in you know from the modern era. But I've gone with someone who kind of um, when I was. Growing up as you know, six, seven-year-old, just starting to play football, um, someone who I looked up to. My my dad was a goalkeeper, um, so that's you know naturally I became a goalkeeper. And the first person that I really started watching as a goalkeeper was Peter Schmeichel. Um, around '98, he was just coming to the end of his United career, um, but I remember my dad bought me a VHS video of Peter Schmeichel and all his greatest saves. And literally, I watched that on loop for about two years. Um, just the way that he he was so he was so big but so athletic and um, I think he started he almost started that reinvention of the of the position um, using his handball skills and and things like that about how he was making so big and he was making saves that people had never seen before um, and yeah he was the first person that after you know you, I watched and I kind of thought wow you know goalkeepers are cool. You know they can do these incredible things. You know, and he used to go up for corners, and 
Uh, and he's, you know, one of the few goalkeepers that scored in the Premier League. So, yeah, my goalkeeper's Peter Schmeichel. Brian? Great pick. Yeah. He, it's interesting, you're obviously saying, like, you know, the reinvention of the position or whatever. He just, he looked cool doing it. And I think that was it, where it's like, there were good saves. and But he, he learned, I guess he, he made it possible to show that you can save with any part of your body almost. And you've just got to put yourself out there and, as you said, make yourself big. And... Yeah, he's just a great goalkeeper, really. There's um, not, not much more I can say, really. I think what I really enjoyed was is how he used to take his back four to task after every every goal, every every chance that they allowed him, you know, to have to be involved in every save he had to make. He looked so pissed off, so annoyed that he had to make that save. And I really, you know, watching him absolutely tear strips off of Gary Neville and that during the game, um, just just showed that, you know, I quite like that authority figure. Um, yeah, but fantastic goalkeeper. Um, and the way he finished at United with, the, with that treble. And, you know, one of, what, what was it, one of his last um, actions as a, a United player wasn't, you know, making a, a crucial save, but it was just making himself a nuisance in the box at a corner. <laughs> I think I just kind of, in the a, in a Champions League final, I think that just showed... No, the kind of the kind of goalkeeper he was. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that was his last game for United until a, a step came up there. Of all the things we knew about, you know, Schmeichel and the amount of times we've seen him, I didn't realise that. Yeah, the Champions League final was his was his part and part and gift to United fans. And as you say, what a way to go go about it! Just that extra big man in the box. He's the first goalkeeper I remember that started saving things and not catching them. You know, whilst he could, but he made that, you know, that famous stature of has been so big and just spreading his body. Um, I mean, his only weakness was he seemed to get chipped quite a lot, but um, apart from that, he, he was almost a faultless goalkeeper in that era, and he's definitely the best goalkeeper of the Premier League era, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm struggling to think of a better goalkeeper from mm. the Premier League era. Um, I think I'd like, I would have liked to have get, got David James in, but no, Schmeichel was something else, wasn't he? Yeah, as you say, I think you got it right. It's like there's not many goalkeepers you enjoy watching or even notice unless they're making mistakes, sort of thing. But yeah. Schmeichel kind of had that presence that that made you take notice. I think that's the biggest the biggest thing that that that's come from Schmeichel, um, as much as obviously the longevity and the career that he had. Um, and I think the only thing that could have made his career better. As if that 99 game had been his career-ending game as well. Yeah, that being the game you finish your whole career on. I mean, I think in his last game, it was a game for City. I just caught this on Sky Sports the other day. I think it was one of those Premier League icon shows, and it was about Schmeichel. And his last game was at, um, I think it was either his penultimate game or his last game was at um, Anfield for City. And he, I, I think, in his last game, he made his maybe his best save. Um, where it's almost point blank and he's just stuck an arm out and it's, he's tipped it onto the bar and those kind of saves always look better, I think. And it was just, even as, you know, that was 2003, he would have been, you know, pushing 40 and he's still making saves like that. Um, you know, I think it would have been nice if he ended his career there, but, you know, we still got a few more great moments. And maybe he scored for Villa in his season there, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I think he, he beat United with with City, which is 
um, in his one season there as well. So he's still got a few more moments. Yeah, he did. There's that famous, the famous incident in the tunnel, isn't it, where Hamley and the United fans would shoot yeah. his hand off and that. Yeah, that's, I think that's when I liked him more, you know, when he went to City and kind of threw it down United's face. That's that's my treasured memory of him <laughs> more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great start, so I'm, I'm interested to see where we're going from here. Do you want to give me your left back? My left back, okay. My left back um, is Matthew Taylor. Matty um, Taylor. Matty Taylor. So I remember um, he signed for, he's my first Portsmouth player, and he signed for Portsmouth in 2002 from Luton. He was young, he must have been you know, 21. And oh, we signed him from Luton. It was, Joe Kinnear was the Luton manager at the time, and we bought him for 700,000. And um, Joe Kinnear went off on one in a press conference con- because of this. So at least Dick Turpin had the decency to wear a mask. <laughs> um, but he, um, Matt, I remember it was a pre-season friendly. We were playing Celtic at Fratton and we were 3-0 down at half time. And this young lad came on at left back and he absolutely ran the show. Um, he was absolutely lightning fast. And I think that's something that people don't remember about Matt Taylor. Um, in his first couple of years, he was one, you know, he was quick, proper quick, but then he had a, a heel injury and an Achilles injury and he lost that yard of pace and he had to develop his game. But that first season in the Portsmouth shirt, we won um, the championship or division one as it was then under Harry Redknapp. Um, he was playing left wing back. He, you know, he got, I think a good handful of goals. You know, he got seven goals, uh, plenty of assists. Um, a lot of the goals were, you know, the starting to see the goals that we, he got known for the, the, you know, the long range hits um, but he was a fantastic player. He made, you know, nearly 200 appearances for Portsmouth, um, and a wonderful left foot. Really hated Southampton, which endeared him to <laughs> um, all the Portsmouth fans. Um, he did struggle in his first year, a couple of years in the Premiership, um, playing left back. Where and he did move forward after that. Um, into a more of a midfield position. And then that's when he, he started scoring a lot more goals um, and, you know, pushing for an England call up that he never quite got. Um, but, you know, as a young, as a youngster, he was an absolute nightmare for, you know, bombing up and down that left wing um, and uh, had a, an absolute wand of a left foot. And, you know, his right wasn't bad either. Um, scored a, a couple of really nice goals with his right foot as well. And just a, a really good player to watch uh, and scored some big goals in his time. Do you remember Matty Taylor, Ryan? Yeah, he's one of those players that, because he had such a you know a long career, that you always just saw him playing at some point or another. Um, and he was always that guy that, as, as you said, Greg, was just banging shots from like absolute miles out. Um, always causing trouble for goalkeepers and stuff. And... I mean, as as a lot of players in this, in sort of eleven pieces of me is where the, the memory is. You know, he came through as a youngster, effectively. Um, but you guys, um, and it's always great to see a player young going into a team and making such a big impact. Um, I was just reading through his sort of Wikipedia page, and I never realised he went to Northampton for a bit. I never yeah, so he that. he kind of did drop through down the leagues as he got older. You know, he's ended up making almost seven hundred and fifty career appearances. Um, 
you know, so he's got had a bit of longevity as well, and he had he did have to redesign his game. You know, he was you know a quick left back. You know, that pace could get him out of trouble. When he lost that yard, you know, he had to step into a more advanced role and um, become a different type of player. You know, he played for you know lots of years at Bolton, successful years at Bolton, West Ham, played for in the Premier League, Burnley played in the Premier League. Um, yeah, quite a, I think quite an underrated player. Um, mm. And you know, he scored some. He scored two. He scored the goal that kept Portsmouth up in 2000 and, um, 2006, um, a penalty away at Wigan in the second to last game. Um, so yeah, fondly remembered at Fratton Park. But that first season was he was a, you know what a prospect he would have, if he. I'd be interested to see what he would have gone on to do if he hadn't picked up that injury because um, he was you know, lightning quick, um, great engine, great left foot. Yeah, no, absolutely. Ali, any things to add from your end? Yeah, I hadn't realised he was a left-back player until you had mentioned it, Greg, and obviously looking it up. Um, I always remember him playing more centre midfield, left midfield, um, you know, once he'd settled in the Premier League. And, and obviously, well-renowned, the goals that stick out, the one that was on like a half volley from about 40 yards. Yeah, um, I think I think the two that everyone remembers is the one against Sunderland away, where yeah, he's just absolutely yeah. lashed it in from near the halfway line. And then the volley... Um, against Everton at Fratton Park from near the halfway line, yeah. Like it was on a half wall, you ran on it. Yeah, and um, and you know most most players, you know, you see that no one dares hit that because imagine what happens if the crowd if you put that into Rose Edge, you're going to get an absolute, <laughs> you know, yeah, a volley of abuse from the crowd. But you know he would just hit him from anywhere, and more often than not, um, he would test the keeper, and if not, you know, he scored some fantastic goals. Well, it's that, like you kind of unless you're going down as one of the best players in the world, it's it's goals and moments like that that you want to be remembered for. Because those moments again will be spoke about or try to be replicated. Because let's be fair, we all tried it. Once we seen that on Match of the Day or sports scene, whatever we watched it on, we all try to replicate it ourselves the next time we went to to training or we were down the park. Yeah, so those those are the the, goal, the moments and goals that will live on forever. More yeah. so than any other accomplishment he has. Yeah, I mean, he, he would, you know, most seasons he'd end up with his like his own goal of the season little competition. Um, yeah, so just you know, a fantastic player, brilliant to watch. And I know he's he's involved in coaching now, and he's at uh, I think he's at Tottenham working with the academy there. So, nice. um, so he's still he may I know he did a little bit of he was a caretaker at. A caretaking manager at Swindon as well, so we might see more of him in the on the coaching management side. It's good to see more and more players like that getting involved after you know coaching managing. Um, it can only be good for younger players coming through mm. because the only people you can learn as a young player, the only people you can learn how to deal with even just the the mental aspects of the game is from it's from former pros, especially ones as you say that I, I didn't know about the Achilles injury. Um, or like you know how devastating obviously it was for him losing pace and and Achilles is a is a long process to come back from as well. Yeah. It's always good having players like that around youths and young younger players coming through. Yeah. No, I, I like that pick. It's a great start. Right back. Right back. So this is the only one I've taken a little bit of a, a liberty with, with the <laughs> positioning. This is the only one um, I've gone for um, football's nicest man, Linvoy Primus. Um, 
who was he can you know he was a centre back but he could play right back. I mean he's quite a limit. He'd be a limited full back. You know he wouldn't be bombing up and down, but he'd certainly do a job. Um, Linvoy, an absolute like the nicest man in football, an absolute ports of legend. Um, uh, a one who um, you know he's made two, over two hundred appearances for the club. Um, a devout Christian who only scored on Boxing Day, um, <laughs> which. <laughs> I thought it was quite nice and you know he he was another one who went for a lot of setbacks in his career um you know on his debut scored an own goal uh, um and this was under you know back in 2000 under a tony pulis ports of side pulis didn't last very long you know we you know almost got relegated from division one that year had to win on the last day of the season and linvoy was in that side uh and then there was another season under Graham Ricks, nothing really happened. He got dropped. Um, then Harry Redknapp came in. It was that 2002-2003 um, season where we went up. Um, and Red, uh, Redknapp told Primus, no, sorry, I don't think you're good enough to play in this side. I don't think you're a, um, you know, a good enough centre-back to play in Division 1 in the Championship. And um, he ended up finishing that um, season as the Portsmouth fans player of the season, as well as getting in the PFA team of the season. Um, you know, he worked, just worked hard, got himself back in the team um, and, you know, was a, a mainstay that season. Um, again, we went into the premiership. We signed, you know, uh, Dejan Stefanovic. We changed from a back three to a back four. He wasn't in the side, but again, he got himself back in the side. Um, then Redknapp went, Alan Perrin came in, you know, he lost his place in the side, but he won it back. And his whole career was just um, um, him being told that he wasn't good enough and then him proving to uh, to everyone that they were wrong. Um, and, you know, I think his best years were towards the end of his career when he had Sol Campbell next to him. Um, um, and, you know, the... That two, uh, 2006 2007 season when you know Redknapp was back, everything the ship was steadying, um, and you know James behind him, Campbell next to him, um, you know Primus, you know there was even you know the odd shout, you know Linvoy for England, um, and then unfortunately you know he had a, a career-threatening knee injury and that was the end of it really. Um, I think he only played once more. Um, and that was a substitute appearance in the last game of the season, basically as a goodbye. Um, and he was never, the, you know, he never really played again. Um, still involved at the club, he's, you know, he's got, he's now Linvoy Primus MBE. He does loads of charity work. He's, you know, set up a um, a, um, a charity with Dara Moore. He's um, another former Portsmouth centre back. Um, and yeah, he's just, he's now an ambassador for the club as well. And, you know, everyone always sees Linvoy Primus around around the, the Portsmouth and Portsmouth area. You know, he's always, you know, he's always in a Tesco or he's in the pub. You know, everyone sees him. Um, and, yeah, just one of the nicest men in football and someone who had quite a lot of, um, who was told he wasn't good enough a lot and, uh, you know, showed them that they were wrong every time. I just sat with a smile on my face the whole time just when you were talking about I, I know nothing about him really as a player. I can't think of much watching him. I do, I vaguely recall him in the, the, the David James era, as you said, the David James and Soul Campbell. I think that was when Redknapp went back the second thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, 
obviously that was when fighting for to stay up, stay in the league. Obviously the the money issues had kind of kicked in. That was after the FA Cup win as well, wasn't it? That was. That so was yeah, after. he didn't play in the FA Cup. That his knee had gone. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So, but yeah, he was. Uh, I think he, he really played his last game in 2007, just the year before the FA Cup win. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just that, you know, it's just it's just one of those players that you always remember him being in and around the Portsmouth team in that in that era. Uh, I always had a, a strange interest in any team Harry Red that managed. I, I just always thought he was an interesting guy. So that's what made you keep an eye on on Portsmouth for those reasons. But obviously, Crouchy had a wee spell there. And, um, yeah, just one of those. I, I just like hearing the way you speak about him. It's the reason we do shows like this. Um, so for me, not knowing much about him doesn't mean anything. But it's just fun to hear, like hear it in your voice, how much he means to the, such a community um, and and an and, and out of football sort of thing. Ryan, do you remember much of Prentice at all? Uh, only a little bit. So I think I'd, so. There's nothing in my mind like massively, massively um, memorable. But I think when you're reading through, when you're you know listening to you, Ego, in terms of what he's done at Portsmouth and, and to have the drive and the determination to always be told to be told you're not good enough for this team and then keep fighting back and getting your place in the team and then what he's done for the club since in terms of the ambassadorial role and his charity work and everything I think just says everything about him as a, as a person and to get an MBE for it anyway I think it's always a, a massive thing so yeah nothing too memorable from a playing point of view but actually it seems like he's taken all of that and and, you know, doing something really, really positive with it. Yeah, I think it, if you, you know, see him around, he'll talk. He'll talk to anyone as well, and he'll talk to anyone about anything. Um, you know, just a, a really nice guy, and a, you know, an underrated footballer. He loved a last-ditch challenge. Absolutely <laughs> loved it. Uh, you know, because he wasn't quick. He was, you know, he was the opposite of quick. So, but he had the nous to, you know, to bail himself out of those kind of situations. But yeah, great, great bloke, and a, you know, a great player as well. Yeah, good, good. I like the I like the pick. Um, so who's the Who's the first centre half for you then to go along? Okay, with? Um, well, another one from that kind of era. I'm going for Sylvan Distan, um, who was an absolute Rolls Royce of a player. I mean, i you know one of the best I've ever watched. Um, you know, on his day, he didn't get as much of the attention because you had the likes of Sol Campbell at that in in that back four as well. But you know, he was quick. He was powerful, good in the air, good feet, um, you know, left-footed as well, which, you know, um, is a, an attribute that, you know, wasn't, is sometimes overlooked. But he was a great player, um, only spent um, basically two seasons with us, but, you know, hardly missed a game, um, was, you know, a part of that side that won the FA Cup um, and just, you know, a player that, didn't always grab the attend, you know, the, the headlines or get much attention. But he was a great defender. He was a fantastic defender, and I'm surprised he didn't go on to play at. He didn't play at a bigger club during his career because I mean he was you know, played a lot of games for City in the Premier League and was, you know, quite consistent. You know, then went to Everton and played a lot of games there as well. Um, and, you know, he must have played, you know, pushing 400 games in. Um, in the Premier League, you know, maybe over, but you know, I'm surprised. I'm surprised he didn't go and play for a, a top four, a top five club because he could have. 
he was he was certainly good enough. Um, and I'm, I'm quite glad I got to watch a couple of him in his prime years whilst he was at Portsmouth. Take it, Ryan, you'll remember him more from the Everton time, just from looking at the, the time period. I sort of remember him from, like, you know, he was always that that player. And I, I remember him from, from the City from the city days as well. Um, he was always that player that was just, again, not knowing too much, but just very reliable. And I think you're right, he, he would have been good enough to go to a bigger club at the time. But, you you, you know, you'd stick him in that centre of defence and, you know... He'd do the job great, and he'd really sort of push things on really well. Um, you know, you look at the fact that he uh, saw that he was vice captain for you guys, and then yeah. actually sort of led the team when Campbell was injured. Um, and yeah, I just think what a very reliable player that you could put in there, and you you wouldn't ever think, oh well, there's a mistake in him or something like that, like you would with a lot of centre backs these days. Yeah, I remember him from the Everton days mainly. Um, I actually forgot he was at City. Uh, he scored against Liverpool. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing I always remember, he, he cost a goal for Everton against us. Um, Big Swanee scored it. And he, he apologised to the Everton fans online on social media afterwards. Um, which I just think, in, you know, in the world we live in today with the amount of abuse footballers get mm. uh, and the way some of them even react which I have no issue with at all, but I just think it, for a club like Everton, I know how much they loved it. Um, it was just good. And, yeah, definitely probably could have played for a bigger club. I mean, you, I'd hasten to say the biggest club he's actually played for was Newcastle when he was on loan. Yeah, um, that's one you do forget about. Um, but he still played you know, 35 games for them as well. Yeah, um, and I think... I think when I read up, I've missed the page now, but I'm sure he only chose Man City over signing for Newcastle permanently, just over what position they were going to play him. I'm sure Newcastle were playing him at left-back, and he obviously wanted to play more central, and I think that's yeah. what made his mind. I'm sure that's what I'd read about him. Um, so it just, you know, it should have, things could have been so much different if, for Newcastle if they had got, you know, that extra three, four years out on um, because obviously Man City aren't the teams that they are now back then. Um, so it could have all been different. But then again, you guys might not have got him. Exactly, yeah. And I think we picked him up on a on a free transfer as well, which is, uh, you know, you know that's read that down to a T, isn't it? Picking up a player like that for, Absolutely. you know, at the end of his contract. But yeah, he, you know, Campbell used to, you know, because he was, you know, off the back of his Arsenal meltdown, he was rehabilitating his career. He would get all the attention in, you know, in that partnership. But Distan was, he was the player. He was, you know, a fantastic player. He had every attribute. And, you know, if you look at clubs like Arsenal and some of the centre backs that they've had, you know, in the, in the post, uh, you know, in Vince Bellieri, you know, why someone like Distan would have slotted in there and done a fantastic job. You could say the same about League Two defenders as well when you're comparing them to Arsenal. Yeah, that's not a fair comparison <laughs> to talk about. But no, but it, you know it's true, and, and it's why like I know Redknapp and and people like Pulis and all that take a lot of stick, and usually rightly so. But when they're talking about Arsenal defenses and players that could have done a job, you know all these players that anybody, almost anybody that could be mentioned that has been brought up in this would have been an improvement on Arsenal. But they obviously they were too focused, and it's a bit like what we say about the FA. 
uh, me and Ross have spoke about it, me and Ryan as well, that the FA just look for those, just more the, the media type, rather mm. than players that can fit into a role, sort of thing, um, and build, build in defences. And unfortunately, it's Arsenal's long-going problem, and I think it'll be a long one to come yeah. I, I like the pick, as you say, just, I think Ryan mentioned it, just Mr. Consistency. Um, as you say, Evan, you had a good five years at City, you had the two years at yourselves, um, five or six years at Everton. Um, and Everton weren't a bad, Everton have never been a bad team, you know, they're always fairly consistent. And to be such a, a presence in that team throughout the team, and I think, as you said, Greg, over 400 appearances in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, I think that speaks volumes. Um, you would, he, if you were doing like a sporkle quiz on players with over 400 appearances in the Premier League, he, he wouldn't come to your mind, would he? He wouldn't mm. be one that you think, oh, he, he's not a well-known, you know, not a, a, I mean, a household name, is he? Um, no, but he he's one that would never let you down. Yeah, 400 Premier League games, that, that's that's 10 seasons playing mm. week in, week out. Do you know what I mean? That's Yeah, he would never come in. I, I like that pick for that, for that reason alone. Um it's like a pub quiz answer down the line, so I'm going to save that in my mind now. <laughs> <laughs> so who's who's your last pick? Um, so this one, I'm not expecting you guys to know too much about this one. Um, you would, I can imagine you would have heard of the name, um, but Ricardo Rocha. Never heard of him. Um, yeah, I've heard so, of him. Yeah. yeah, so he he had a, a brief spell at Tottenham. Um, you know, in 2007 to 2009, where he, well, he made four, played 14 games. Then he went to he went to Portsmouth and he had quite a time of it, um, but he's a player that you know we've we've taken to our into our hearts. You know, he, on his debut, um, this is the season. You know, it was all it's gone tits up by this point. Um, you know, the first the points deductions are come in. You know, in administration, we're getting relegated from the Premier League. He makes his debut away at Old Trafford, scores two own goals. Um, in his next game, he gets sent off. Um, in his next game, well, on, when he returns from suspension, he gets sent off again. Um, so he doesn't. He makes quite an inauspicious start to his Portsmouth career, and we're thinking, oh god. But then I think he puts in um, one of the best individual port performances I've ever seen. Um, you know, whether it's on telly or in person, um, in the FA Cup semi-final win at Tottenham against Tottenham at Wembley. Uh, when we were, you know, we've been relegated from the Premier League the day before. We were just had ten points taken off of us, um, and we go to we go to Wembley, expecting managed by, you know, Tottenham are managed by Redknapp as well. They've just nicked Crouch and Defoe and Crankyar off us, um, <laughs> and we're we're going to Wembley, expecting to get absolutely battered. There's a great video of all these Spurs fans before the game predicting five nil, six nil, all this kind of stuff. Uh, we take them to extra time and win two nil. And Rocha, the amount of blocks he put in, you know, last ditch challenges, it was one of the most incredible one man performances I've ever seen. And, you know, he's not a tall bloke. He's what, just under six foot as a centre back. Um, uh, and, but he had Crouch in his pocket, he had Defoe in his pocket. He was incredible that day. He got man of the match. Um, and, you know, things in the final as well, things could have been so different if Botang had scored that penalty. Um, against Chelsea, um, you know, and that was a that was a tight game as well. That was only one nil yeah. in the final. Um, but yeah, so he had that was just his first four months at the club. All this happened. He's been sent off twice, played in a cup final, and got man of the match against his former side in the in the semi final. 
Um, then we get relegated um, again two years later to League One, um, but he still gets he gets Player of the Season. Um, you know, not often does a centre back get Player of the Season in a side that gets relegated. Although it has to be said, we were relegated because of a points deduction. We would have stayed up comfortably if it wasn't for that. Um, then he leaves the club, um, but then he, with the club again in administration again uh, with another points deduction, he comes back. Um, and he joins at the start of a, a winless run that stretches to you know 28 games, um, but and one of the you know, the lasting you know the greatest images of Rocha in a Portsmouth shirt was him actually in the away end hugging supporters when we just won our first game in five months um, away at Crew, and you know the players you know he was actually in the he climbed into the away end and was hugging people. Um, and you know he was what he's you know still involved in the club today. Does a bit, does bits with you know ambassadorial stuff. And he's one that he finished his career with us. Um, ended up playing you know almost a hundred times for Portsmouth across four years, including three relegations and three administrations. Um, but yeah, just someone who stuck by the club in those difficult years. Played in three divisions um, towards towards the end of the towards the end of his career, but. Um, you know, another one of those who are a bit like Primus, you know, uh, more for the, you know, was a good player, but, you know, meant more off the pitch um, to, to, to us fans. Great. Yeah. I can't, I, that, there's not much I can add because I sort of, I recognise the name, but I don't know too much. But reading through um, what you're talking, it said a lot about that semi-final game against Tottenham um, and how good he was in that game. So, yeah, really, really good pick. Yeah, again, I can't add much. I, I hadn't even heard of him. Um, I love the, the eventfulness of the start of his career. I think, as you say, <laughs> if, you can, if you can come back from that at a club, you're always kind of going to be a, a cult hero regardless. I mean, yeah, and there was he, he must be one of the only players who's been sent off twice in two games, twice, because he, he did it in his second season as well. He got sent off two games in a row again. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, not a weird status. Three of his red cards were given by the same referee as well, Kevin Friend. That's an interest. That is an interesting stat. So uh, yeah, um, so maybe it was something that he had Kevin Friend out against him. <laughs> I don't know, um, but yeah, uh, one that probably isn't as well known a name, but I think does mean quite a lot to to all Portsmouth fans. Mm, fair enough. As I say, I'll say it. Like those are the types of players. That you love hearing about, so especially ones you don't know, and um, just those type of cult heroes. Like me and Ryan had one with Emma uh, a few weeks back, um, and she had one as well. That we had heard of Ryan Hodge. Mm, uh, the name, but yeah, all again. Um, yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Hadn't heard anything of them, but just the, the the stories you hear from fans. I think I think that's where we are kind of. I, I know Emma's was a Barcelona team, but. Um, when you when you're involved in such a big high profile club like Liverpool and, and Chelsea for Ryan obviously and with the media coverage and so much mm. we don't we don't kind of get those players because it's reported so much in such a high scale broadcast so you kind of miss out on those stories that even like our, our parents and grandparents would have had with your teams you know back before the social media world. Um, whereas I guess unless you're involved in the Portsmouth circle, that's why the yeah. you know the Russia is not it's talked about as much and 
or even as well. I, I, I'm guessing teams in lower leagues would have probably known more. You know, like a Ross would have been a good one to speak about that. Yeah, well, I think he actually he was on. Tra- he almost signed for Leeds. Um, he was on trial at Leeds. I think everyone almost signed for Leeds yeah. at some <laughs> point in the last ten years. Um, but again, where he, where he spent four seasons with us and played in three different divisions, so you know he, he probably would have ended up playing against a lot of different sides. That's it, yeah. Um, you know, from Manchester United to you know Tranmere Rovers. Yeah, and to stick by the club in that time as well. You know, because as you're saying, looking up here, obviously, his, his contract seemed to be just one year at a time. Yeah. But it wasn't like he was one of those players who were just holding on for the money um, because he could, because he had a contract as well. It was, he was actually choosing to stay and choosing to help. And, I mean, they had no money, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I like that fact. That's so he probably wouldn't have been paid in a lot of that as well. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's probably just like sat there going, well, no, I'll stay and, you know, continue to play. Yeah, sort of. They would have had nothing to give, surely. And and you'd imagine he could have got a contract elsewhere. Yeah. Um, even if it wasn't, you know, as high profile a team. Because that, that Portsmouth were quite well known and nobody, when they were in the Premier League, in that say, 2006-2008 seasons, nobody wanted to play them. No, Fratton Park was a, you know, United used to come and, you know, we turned them over a couple of times and um, the, but the invincible Arsenal side, the only t- team they didn't beat was us. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so we were a tricky outfit sometimes. Yeah, but not, and, and not even in a negative way, you know, like not like the Stokeways or yeah, you're just, okay, you were big and physical, but also fast and ta- technical and, you know, had had that mixture at all. And then obviously the, the, the period of Defoe and Couch, um, that's just a horrendous strike partnership to play against. Mm. But no, I like it so far. Uh, defensive midfield? Uh, I'm going to go, probably, I'd be one of the best players I've ever seen, Lasana Diara. Um, he was an incredible player, um, and I'm glad that he got. He only played 24 games for us, but you know, he won the FA Cup. But I think if you ask most Portsmouth players, uh, Portsmouth fans, one of the best players they've ever seen wear a Portsmouth shirt was Lasana Diara. He was an incredible player. Um, he good on the ball. He was everywhere. And how we, Arsenal gave him to us for five million? That was oh, I do not know. But you know, he ended up going to we <laughs> probably the only player we'll ever sell to Real Madrid. Um, <laughs> He went everywhere, um, didn't he? That's what I he, remember. You know, yeah, so he went. He, you know, he made um, just short of 100 appearances for Real Madrid. Ended up at PSG to, as his last club. You know, 34 appearances for France. Um, he was, you know, he was good enough to play for the likes of Real Madrid. He was incredible. Um, um, as, you know, how we got. You know, it was only 24 games, but for he is looked upon <clears throat> by. You know, almost all Portsmouth fans is one of the best players we've ever seen wear wear the Royal Blue because he was sensational. You know, and another one of those that won an FA, you know, won the FA Cup with us. Yeah, you remember a lot of Diarra, Ryan. Yeah, well, I mean, he didn't he didn't play loads for us because he <laughs> he played thirteen. Another you know standard Chelsea really, just a player <laughs> on the books for no reason. Um, but then yeah, then he went to Arsenal and then it. He was always that player that I just saw bouncing around between clubs, and I was just like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. To go from like Chelsea, Arsenal, Portsmouth, Madrid, then he went to Anzi, 
um, Lokomotiv Moscow, Marseille, Al Jazeera, then PSG. He sort of I mean, that's just, an interesting career, isn't it? it? It really is. And, you know, you're looking at 37 games for Marseille, 5 for Al Jazeera, and 13 for PSG. But, I mean, to get 34 caps for France is nothing to, you know, look down upon on with. That's a very high amount of caps considering the amount of talent France have in that position as well. Or yeah. would have had in that position at the time. Uh, yeah, he was good, you know, great passing range, great engine. He was almost, it, I think the player who I'd probably say was most similar to nowadays is almost like a Kante figure. He was everywhere. He was similar kind of stature, quite small, um, but he would get around the pitch. He was, um, you know, he could get from box to box quite, you know, quite easily. Um, only ever scored one goal, um, but you know, would do the dirty work as well. And when you see the rest of my midfield picks, you'll see that he's going he's gonna have to do a lot of running. Um, <laughs> I, I thought he was at Chelsea. Um, it wasn't until you mentioned it there, Ryan. I remember the, not controversy, but just the shock that he moved from Chelsea to Arsenal. Um, but do you know what? He's a, he's a typical player that Arsenal would give up. You know, just he's too hard working for them. Um as you say, that's why Portsmouth got him so cheap. Got one year, a few good seasons at Madrid, and then Andy, where everybody kind of at the time was going to finish their career, really. You know, get those big money moves and go. Um, as, as we mentioned, the Portsmouth time, Greg, again, he was one of those players that the reason you didn't want to play Portsmouth. Mm. You know, just he was, he was hard working, he was, he was fairly quick. He was strong, you know, just... And he'd, he'd have the likes of a Sully Montari or a Papa Boobie up next to him doing... They would do all the nasty, horrible work and then just give it to Diara, who would then get things moving. He was a great carrier of the ball as well. Very skillful. Yeah. Um, could shift you up the pitch 20 yards in, you know, in no, no time at all. Yeah. That's why he fit in so well at Madrid. You know, that's... That was the that's the exact role that they wanted him for, just to that that twenty twenty five yards, you know, drive through the middle of the park. Um, as you say, yeah, probably one of the best players Portsmouth have had, um, and the fact that a Portsmouth player has went to Real Madrid. Um, yeah, I mean, no, that's crazy now thinking about it. Twenty million euros as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a steal. Yeah, I mean, you got him for five mil, so... Yeah. Because what's 20 million euros? What's that, about 16 million? Well, at the time, it looks like it was about 18 million. I know you've made 13 million profit, but that's really... That's a steal for Madrid. Mm. Um, But I think at the time, I think that was actually... That still would have been a fairly high figure at the time, though, in a way. Yeah, probably. Um, but again, as you say, looking back on it, and I think it's only because if Portsmouth had been a bigger stature of a club, they would have been able to demand more money. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, Portsmouth were Portsmouth, um, as good as they were at the time, and Real Madrid are Real Madrid, and there's yeah. not you can say no. And that goes for like Liverpool and Chelsea as well. Like If Real Madrid want one of your players, 95% of the time, they're getting your I mean, player. It's very football manager, isn't it? Where it's like, you know, you've got this great play you've bought in on really cheap and then a big <laughs> club comes along and that's it. Yeah. That's it. Well, I want to leave now. Like, okay, great. Thanks. Can't do anything <laughs> with you now. Thanks. 
that, yeah, that, that is a, that was, it was like a football manager signing. That's what I think that everybody even remembered at the time. It was like one of us had took it over Real Madrid and just remembered <laughs> how football was. Uh, that's a great start to the material, but the fact that he's going to have to do a lot of work, as you've hinted at, and we're now intrigued to see where we go with the rest of the team. So, yeah, the, oh, he's going to have to do so much work. Um, <laughs> well, the midfield two, those two yeah. in between, you know, that, those two slightly wider players of the diamond, is Ronaldinho. Um, and I think this is, you know, more from, you know, he's not one that played for Portsmouth. I think that's fairly obvious. Um, but he did play against us and he played 15 minutes. Um, and it was in the, you know, when we played AC Milan, we were 2 0 up with five minutes left. And then Ronaldinho comes on. <laughs> um, and so does Pato and Seydorf. Ronaldinho, he was on the pitch 15 minutes and he absolutely lit up the place. Um, scored a, an incredible free kick. Um, you know, goalkeeper's side against David James. I mean, that's some effort. And then he played a big role in <clears throat> setting up the last minute equaliser for Inzaghi. Um, but I think you don't need to. You know his record speaks for himself. You know the you know the clubs that he played for, his legacies left at Barcelona, um, you know going to Milan and after that. But basically, he gets he gets a place in my side for that um, for that 15 minutes he spent on the pitch at Fratton Park. Um, you know, as I was, I think I was, was I, 16 at the time. You know, it was a it wasn't too long before that I was watching the likes of Carl Tyler. And some other dreadful players play at front. And this is Ronaldinho, the Ronaldinho, having to come on and save save a game for AC Milan. It was just <laughs> mental. Um, and you know, not winning that game still hurts. But you know, we got to see Ronaldinho. Uh, he was quoted in the post-match press after the game, saying it was um, the best atmosphere he'd um, experienced in world football. And I know that quote is now it's now it's plastered around Fratton Park and you know there's pictures of him around the ground with that quote next to him um so he's you know he's him you know walking onto the pitch at Fratton Park's played in like the pre-match video at Fratton so I think that um that appearance has had quite a, a lasting effect on um on a you know on Portsmouth as a club and me as a supporter just because it was such an occasion no, it makes sense. I think we've talked a lot about Ronaldinho in the past, and you know, my thing with him is always like my memories of playing like FIFA Street um, and things like that. Trying to, always, you always pick him just so you can do the skills and everything. And he was always going to be the player that you try and buy on like FIFA and Foot Manager, uh, you know, Championship Manager at the time, because um, you just wanted him in your team because you just knew what he could do. Yeah, I think we don't need to go too much into detail. I can imagine other people have picked him, and um, he'll he's somewhat his record, like I said, speaks for itself. Mm. And the clubs he played for, and the things he's won, and the highlight reels, and you know, the Nike sponsorships, and all of that 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 speaks speaks for what a player he was. And I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. But you know, just from I've tried to pick players that I've actually physically seen, and you know, just that 15 minutes where he played against us was. That was enough to show. Wow, he is. He was an incredible talent. Yeah, I I had a discussion on one of you on Twitter the other day. I don't know what it was. There seemed to be an awful lot of videos going about him, and 
somebody had put an argument over him being the greatest footballer of all time, and he had never come into my um, mind in this discussion. I'd always put it out, uh, obviously, Ronaldo, Messi, um, original Ronaldo. But I think Ronaldinho is actually the greatest footballer of all time. Now, the more and more, like, the more argument you get, there's no player you can see you enjoy watching more than Ronaldinho. There's no player that will be remembered as much for little bits of skill. Just the most enjoyable player to ever watch, and he had everything. Yeah. For his position, he actually is he's almost perfect. Um, but you're right, there's not much more you can add. I mean, if you've seen him play in the flesh, everybody's watched enough of him. Ryan, you mentioned even like the FIFA, FIFA Street was designed for a player like yeah. It's what the game was for. The, the the Nike adverts, like, literally, there isn't, as you say, there's not much more we can say about that. If you, if you don't smile and enjoy watching Ronaldinho, I'm not sure why you're watching this. Yeah. He's one of the players that I'm glad I've seen. Yeah. I think it's the same for, I think, everyone kind of wished, if you hadn't seen him, they wished you had seen him. Um, just one of those players whether he's even obviously creating heartbreak for your team um, or scoring wonder goals for you, just that smile I think will be will be. We're speaking about him like he's dead, but that smile will be remembered forever. You know, just when he's playing football. Yeah, uh, just an absolute joy. No, love it, absolute love it. So the other side, uh, Paul Merson. Nice. Um, Paul Merson again. He you know he did a lot of things. He, you know, a great career. You know, great you know spells at Arsenal and. You know, and then over 100 appearances at Villa. But, you know, he sometimes people forget the season he spent at Portsmouth. Um, and he, you know, he went, he was there for the one season when we won the league um, and got promoted to the Premiership. And he was an absolute genius. He was, you know, he was, it was, you know, in the twilight of, of his career. He didn't play too much after that. Um, I think he went and had a, like a player manager spell at Walsall. Um, but I think we, that year, he, he was the figure that we needed to to convince ourselves that we were good enough to um, to to challenge at the top of that league and to, you know, not only challenge but win it. Um, he, you know, there there were some brilliant moments. He and he will be my captain as well. Um, I think he was captain that year and he played a major role. He played forty four games um, that season in the championship, and that's you know it was a combative league you know and he was uh, you know 34 so you know he did well and he was a, a real role model to some of the younger players in that team um got 12 goals majority of them from the penalty spot um uh, but he also uh, you know scored some brilliant goals there was one game away at Millwall um so Portsmouth fans were banned we weren't allowed to go um, because there'd been some trouble the year before so they banned Portsmouth fans. So there was none in the ground. Um, and we've gone to Millwall and we've won 5-0. Um, you know, which would have been nice to see. Uh, but Merson got substituted. He's had an absolute brilliant game. Um, I think he scored. He set up a couple. And uh, with 10 minutes left, he's been substituted. And the Den, you know, anyone who's been to Millwall knows what it's like. The Den stood and clapped him off. He got a standing ovation. And, I mean, they don't clap many there at the den uh, but he got a standing ovation 
and there was some of the things he did were ridiculous. I mean, there was one, I think it was like the last minute of a game. He had a, he was around about the, the centre circle. He flicked the ball up with his back to goal, did an overhead kick that took three players out of the game and put Todorov through on goal, who then lobbed the keeper. And he was doing things like that. <clears throat> um, uh, you know, a great player um, to watch. You know, I was I was quite you know reasonably young at the time, twelve years old or whatever. Um, but getting to watch, you know, it's a bit like, oh, Paul Mercy, he plays for us. This big, you know, Paul Mercy, who played for England, you know, played for Arsenal, he plays for us. Um, and he was a great, you know, a, you know, a great player, um, someone fantastic to have um, yeah, at the club. And I, he was, I think at that time, he was still going through some of his um, issues. Uh, I know there's one. <laughs> story where we had two we ended up having two weeks off in um in january so he goes to he goes to the red naps office and say oh look gaffer i need to i need to go back to rehab the gambling's got really bad um so um, red naps like oh sure yeah go you've got to go um there's nothing you know he's fine there's nothing wrong with him he just goes on holiday to barbados for two <laughs> two weeks and uh, red nap gets a call <laughs> from one of his friends saying oh i've just seen your I've just seen your player, Paul Merson. And Rednap's going, oh my God, mate, what's up? Why are you in rehab? And he's like, no, I'm not in rehab. I'm just on holiday walking down the beach in Barbados. Um, and Rednap never mentioned that to Merson. Never mentioned it until, you know, their careers were over and they saw each other years later. He didn't, he never mentioned it. Um, but yeah, Paul Merson, great player. And I, do you know what? I think people who have been watching the Harry's Heroes um on ITV recently, you can see he's a good bloke as well. Um, he's a decent bloke. And you know what? I, I think his punditry on Soccer Saturday is a little bit underrated. He gets a lot of stick because he, he, he can't pronounce names and things like that. But I do think he's switched on. I think he's got some really good opinions on the game. Um, and he's someone, you know, that, you know, if he speaks, I, you know, I would listen to his opinion. Um, not just mainly because of you know, the, um, the impact he had, when he was at Portsmouth, but also um, I do think he's a bit underrated in that fashion. But yeah, Paul Merson was, we only had him for a year, but what a player he was. Great pick. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't say, I, I I went to an event with Harry Redknapp once and he told that story um, at the event. So I've, I've heard it before and it still gets me every time. <laughs> um, yeah, great player. Um, I, for some reason, I actually... I don't see him in the Villa shirt when I think of him. I actually think of him in the Portsmouth shirt. And when you go on his Wikipedia, he's in the Portsmouth shirt. Yeah. As his main picture. So I think that says a lot about how good he was that season for you guys and how important he was. Well, I think, yeah, because he's kind of uh, synonymous with all the images of that's winning. Of you know, He's the one that lifted the trophy. And mm. um, so, you know, he's, you know, and he still comes back to Fratton quite a lot. So um, I know he's still got links with the club. So he's um, definitely one that, people uh, look back on and think you know look back on fondly and the, what another thing that I liked about him he, he had a two-year deal so he's got promoted in the first season he could have stayed um, but he said no I'm not good enough for the premiership so we just thought he cancelled his contract um, he knew he wasn't good enough he didn't you know stick around for the money or get the big wage rise no he just said right I know I'm not good enough I don't want to be a burden around this club I'm gonna I'll move on um, so I think he kind of he didn't sully any kind of legacy that he left 
he kind of knew what he'd done. He came in, did his job, and thought, yeah, I'm going to move on. Fair play. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's a great thing. Again, I think you're right. I think he's a very underappreciated player. Uh, I'll not agree with uh, the punditry. <laughs> um, I think he's the best of a bad bunch. <laughs> uh, he does make much better comments nowadays that he seems to be less ignorant about foreign football. Um, but he was one of those for a while who just believed that the only good players were English and played in the Premier League. Um, but I think the, the story and the journey is what interests me most about Nelson. Um, and I hope, especially with Harry's heroes coming on now, and people will start giving him more credit, the credit that he actually deserves, because I feel for a long time, obviously it was the jokes about the punditry, and more for the off-field antics that he was known for. Um, and I hope people do remember the player he was. Mm. He was outstanding for Arsenal. Um, he had good seasons at Villa, and obviously that season at yourselves, uh, Greg, uh, he was genuinely... A, real, a player who was probably too advanced for his era. You know, he was one of those players who was already... He, his, his style of play would have been good for the modern era. Um, and we'll never know how, how good he actually could have been without those without those demons. Um, but the fact that he's, you know, he's come out the other side of it um, and he can speak so openly about it is what yeah. I respect the most. You know, he doesn't hide from it. You know, he'll, he'll laugh and he'll joke about it. He's honest. And that story we read up and, uh, you know, the one you mentioned, mm. again, like Ryan, I've heard it loads of times, but it doesn't... I, I give the same reaction every time I hear it. It's a bit like the Mourinho Balotelli send it off half-time story. There's just stories that I'll always just, you know, set you off. And, and that's one of them. And it doesn't matter who tells it. You just, you kind of go back to the way when Redknapp's telling it. I mean, you can just imagine Merson, you know, strolling into training on the Monday. You know, he's, he's got a great tan in history. <laughs> but I, I, I love the, I love the, the person. Um, I think he just comes across, and it seems to be a lot of players of that era seem to be like that. Mm. Um, it's one for me always. Just come across as just good guys, you know, yeah. just hardworking. They're not entitled, you know, like a lot of footballers and a lot of professional sports players have kind of got that in, in sense of entitlement about them. Mm. He doesn't seem to have it. He just comes across as a guy who, I know it's the wrong analogy, but you could go down to the, the pub for a pint. Yeah. You know, um, and it, yeah, he just, he's just like a, to me, he's just like an everyday man. And I, and I like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, just I think what I've noticed about the size, I'm kind of picking not just them, like they're not the most talented players, some of them, but you know they are, they've they're, they're characters as well. Uh, and Merson definitely falls under that under that category. Yeah, it's a fair shot. Now looking at the team, yeah, there's there's not really many plain jeans there, have we? <laughs> no, they've got a bit about them. Yeah, <laughs> I feel sorry for the manager. <laughs> yeah. Who's the who's the attacking midfielder then? Who's um, the... This is someone who um, really did not like running. Um, it's Robert Prozanecki. Um and again, he's um, he's he's how why he played for Portsmouth, I don't know, but <laughs> but we got a season out of him, and uh, he is 
<clears throat> we talk, you know, Porsche fans, they speak about, uh, they speak about Diarra, they speak about Merce and, you know, all these great players that play for us. The one that always comes up as like the best was Robert Prozanecki. Um, he came to us, he was 32. He was wildly overweight. Um, he used to, <laughs> he didn't warm up. He would stand in the tunnel and have a marble red. Hmm. Um, he did, he didn't go into the change room at team talks. For you know, for that half time, he'd have a stand outside and have a fag. Um, Peter Crouch tells a great story um, that he um, he could speak perfect English and you know he could have a you know he could have a one on one conversation with you, but as soon as he was asked to uh, trap back, he'd reply, "I don't understand." Um, but he was a uh, you know it was again it was towards the end of his career, and uh, this is someone who's played you know one of the few that's played for Real Madrid and Barcelona. I think it was it. There's, I think only a handful of players have done that. Um, but he's played for both, and he's had kind of like a, a last. You know, he did well at both as well. Um, he, you know, he's played at two. He's played at multiple World Cups. He's played World Cups for two different countries. I mean, not many people can say that. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, he played 33 games for us. Scored nine goals. I remember there was one game against Barnsley. So imagine, you know, Robert Prozanecki playing against Barnsley. Um, uh, at Fratton Park and you know he scored one of the best hat tricks I've ever seen um, you know two I think one was a pen but he scored two direct free kicks in that game you know top corner you know postage stamp stuff and um, <laughs> Linvoy Primus gets sent off um, I think then Sean Derry gets sent off we're down to nine men 4-2 up going into stoppage time and we somehow managed to draw 4-4 and I think he just walks off the pitch and is like, what can I do with these lot? I mean, I've just scored a hat-trick of you know, some of the best goals you'll see, uh, but these lot have fucked it up. Um, and it was a bit like that. He had a very young Peter Crouch up front. Um, the, when Crouch was lankier, so this was back in 2001, Crouch must have been, what, 20? Um, um, and he, Crouch got 20 goals that season just because Prozanecki could just ping it onto his head. He didn't have to move. Um, but yeah, incredible player. Didn't like running, couldn't really jump, so heading was out of the wasn't his wheelhouse. But my God, could he play? I mean, there's some of the, the highlights clips. There's one um, from his time at Porto. There's one where he turns a player, the same player, just four times. <laughs> he just goes back and does him again, just because. Just because he could. Um, and the, just some of the goals he he scored. Um, he didn't score a tap in whilst he was there. Um, they were all direct free kicks you know from range or they were ones where he's turned the player inside out um and then put it in the top corner from 25 yards out um yeah and smoke like a chimney but boy could he play i don't i don't remember him and you know being like that he's not what i sort of remember um but you know to have those great memories again reading through his career here you know they mentioned the hat trick and in that game, and the fact that yeah you're right you know to have played for both Barcelona and Real Madrid is is something which again not many players would ever dream of doing, um, and it's just great the fact that you know he said he smokes like a chimney and whatever and just didn't warm up but still had that raw ability just to go on yeah, the pitch and just best do player it. on the pitch yeah by far every week and, you know he won you know third play you know in the ninety eight 
was part of that Croatia team that finished there in the World Cup. You know, won a European Cup with Red Star Belgrade. You know, so he, um, you know, he won things as well in his career. Hmm. I can't believe that's been played for Real Madrid and Portsmouth. I know, that's two we've mentioned, isn't it? <laughs> I, I'm sure, I could be wrong, but I'm sure he was in the, the FIFA World Player of the Year contention when he was at Madrid as well. You know, that's the level we're talking about, you know. Yeah. And, and he, he didn't win it, but I'm sure he was in the, you know, the final list, the top five or top ten or whatever it was. Um, his, his, his goal, he scored a really good free kick against Barcelona that season. Um, obviously then going on to play for them, as, as we mentioned. Um, to play for the, obviously the old Yugoslavia, which that was no easy feat to do. The players that mm. they had in that time, you know, like that that pool they picked from was so good that they managed to split it into individual countries who all did well. You know, he went on to play for Croatia and got the bronze medal in '98. You know, and you're talking that's eight years after the Real Madrid days. It's, yeah, yeah. As you say, like how he played for. For Portsmouth, no and this wasn't this wasn't a good Portsmouth side either. We stayed up on the last day of the season, the, the, <laughs> the, day, the season before. We finished seventeenth that season mm-hmm. in in the championship. We were, you know, um, it was we were managed by Graham Ricks, and it was actually at the end of the season that's when Redknapp came in. Uh, but he only ended up playing for us because um, he was mates with the chairman, Milan Mandrich. Right. That's the only reason he was he was without a club, and Mandrich basically convinced him, "I'll come here. You can basically just play the games, and you can do whatever you want." What you want, yeah. Yeah. I just saw as well that he he was the one that convinced Cranchard to join as well. Yes, uh, I think you know he's gone. He's done a little bit of management as well. Um, you know, I think he's managed Azerbaijan and Bosnia Herzegovina, and uh, he's been at Red Star and. So, you know, he's he is now a, a figure in, in management as well. Mm. The name of, especially in those countries, and his his name is like us speaking about like a, a Gerard and a Lampard. You know, that's what he means to, you know, those countries and those clubs. It's just he is one of those those greats from that era. Yeah. You know, I like it. That's a, I, I didn't expect it. Only because I, I didn't know, I didn't actually know he played for Portsmouth. Yeah, that's a that's a great pick, right? So the to the to the final two positions, who's the, who's the first of the attacking? Um, I'm gonna go with um, he didn't again one of those didn't play for Portsmouth, but um, I watched him a lot, um, and you know he he developed quite a nice relationship with our fans, even though he he never played for us, and that was Thierry Henry. Um, you know it was. <laughs> Again, he's one of those that are a bit like Ronaldinho. <clears throat> Everyone knows Thierry Henry. Everyone knows how good he is. Everyone knows what he won and the legacy he left at Arsenal and and you know and Barcelona as well. Um, but he, every time he played at Frampton, there was I remember there was an FA Cup game and they they beat us uh, they beat us five one and it was it should have been more than that. And they played us off the park. They it was I think the year after that. Um, after the invincible year, and they were incredible. Um, he got a standing ovation off the pitch at the end, of, uh, you know, as he, when he got substituted. Um, and then at the end of the game, he he put on a Portsmouth shirt and went and clapped all all four stands. And um, after that, 
every time he turned up at Fran Park, you know, people were swooning after him. He was adored, you know, people would sing songs to him. And this is an opposition player. Um, and, you know, Portsmouth can be a bit of a, you know, like you've mentioned, not, not the nicest place to go sometimes. And um, But, you know, I've never seen a, a home crowd at Fran Park fall in love with an away player like they did with Thierry Henry. And it's just because the way he played the game, <clears throat> always on the front foot, always um, looking to impact the game. Every time he got the ball, it was an event. Um, and it wasn't. He wasn't one of those players who would go through the motions. He uh, he would always look to try and move the game forward whenever he he got the ball. Um, and I think, like I said, there's no. We all know what he's achieved in the game, but um, I think it was just almost that. Um, that moment again, like seeing a player of his caliber, he put on our shirt, and you know, um, he went and came and clapped our supporters. And again, that's an image that is <clears throat> around Fratton Park. You know, Henri wearing that that Portsmouth shirt with the Ty heart in the middle. Mm. Um, that's an image that is you know shown on the big screen before the games is around the ground, um, and he was just he was one of the few opposition players. You know, we quite like playing Arsenal because we saw them as these fancy Dans that. Know we could kick up in the air a little bit, um, but everyone looked forward to when Henri would come to town. He was the he was the hero to the Robert Perez who you know he dived in in that invincible season to get himself get them a point at Highbury against us. That so he was the villain, but Henri he was definitely the hero whenever Arsenal came to town. Really interesting. I never actually sort of never would have seen that or, or known that, but that is really interesting that he. Yeah, put on that shirt and then went around and clapped everyone. That just says a lot about him as a player. But the fact is, you know, that you've um, the club's managed to hold on to that and, and use that as a memory going forward. I think it's great. And to you know, whenever he comes to town, as I said, they make a big deal out of it. So I really like that. I still can't believe the the lack of times on has been picked. Uh, you're the only second person ever to pick Thierry Henry. Um, not only is he a great player, he was fun to watch. He was kind of one of those, a bit like the story you mentioned, Greg. He's just one of those players that you, it was really hard to hate him. Like even yeah. when he's scoring against you, and like he, he's destroyed Liverpool many a time. I'm sure Ryan, you've watched him do the same to Chelsea. Yeah. Um, he just didn't hate him because he seemed to just always be enjoying football. He did it so great. And don't get it, my biggest thing I liked him about him is he had that nasty, evil. You know, had a bit about him. He was, mm. about only, he was one of the few in that Arsenal team who didn't have a soft centre. Um, he, he liked mixing it up, and as he, I, I love the story that he's even said himself. Like he wound himself up to the before a game so much that he hated everybody. Um, until then, like soon as the game was over, that was it. You know, it was done and dusted. He was all smiles with them again, but he just needed that edge, and like. He's, he's an Arsenal legend. He's he's a Premier League legend. He's he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, foreign import to come over to England. Um, to think that he was a kind of mediocre left winger, midfielder type players when Wenger brought him over. And yeah, I, I think Wenger probably in circles outside of Arsenal probably doesn't get enough credit for the way that he developed Omri. Just, uh, uh, do you know what? Not just on me, English football. Yeah. 
mm. you know, what he did for English football with his sports science. He, he, unfortunately for him, the game just passed him by. He, he was so far advanced in the Premier League, um, but the Premier League soon caught up and then everybody took over while he was still set in the same ways. Um, but Henri, as you say, Henri's will go down as one of, if not the greatest forward in Premier League football. Mm. And I think I wonder if that what he you know what he did against Ireland that time has kind of <laughs> yeah. changed people's opinion of him a little bit. You, my, my, my only thing I'm going to say on that is anybody who is even the slightest bit upset about that needs to go and grow a set of balls and get over it because if their striker does it at the other end, I can promise you they're not petitioning for the yeah. goal to be chalked off and it. It's, it's easy to say as a team who had Luis Suarez in their team for so long, but. The football winning and losing is down to the slightest, especially in today's world. You know, it's it's literally millimeters that can change games. Mm. It's not it's not Henri's job to not give that goal. It's not Henri's job to to do anything. It hit his hand and went in. Wow, it was that, it was still a, it was a bit scummy though. Who cares? Honestly, it's not scummy whatsoever. It won them the game. If, if Drogba does it for you in that Champions League final, you're not complaining in the slightest way. You're starting to sound like Chris Ryan. <laughs> I'm not having it. Like, every every team in the world, if their player does it, I tell you, there's not even a bit of outrage. It just so happens people like to get on their high horse on social media and make a bigger deal of that than there is. There's a lot more things happened in football that people don't care about than Thierry Henry handballing it. I'm sorry, Ireland fans, but man up. <laughs> That's right. it. The Ireland fans are switching off now. Good job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 lo- I love the pick. Um, just, 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 just one of the most graceful forwards. Just the way he ran, he got faster when he had the ball. Mm. You know, just, just special. I'm interested to see who you've got with him though up front. Um, yeah. So this is one, uh, you know, and I don't blame you if this is a person that. You don't know too much about, um, but this is perhaps one of my, maybe my favourite footballer of all time. Um, and just, just because yeah. of the impact he had on me when I, you know, as I grew up. Um, and it's um, Slesislav Todorov, um, who um, played for Portsmouth. He signed in 2002. Um, he was Redknapp's first signing in his second game, got sent off for violent conduct. Um, so not the not a great start. A but then got his game. A lot of your players. <laughs> yeah, they they all do something bad in the yeah. first couple of games, don't they? Um, and then he got his first goal. And then the next season was the 2002-2003 season, um, where he scored 26 league goals, um, got the golden boot um, as we got promoted. Um, he needed basically needed a hat trick on the last day of the season to overtake um, the player who was top. He got that hat trick in a five-nil away win at, um, at Bradford. Um, what a player! There's, I was watching a, a clip of all his goals. He scored all types of goals. Um, he, you know, there was one, there was a couple where he picked the ball up in his own half, carried it, beat a couple of players, and then put it in the um, the bottom corner. There was one at Millwall where he's turned a player inside out. He made him look like a right mug, and then just rifled it into the the roof of the net from 12 yards out. He, a lot of his goals were because he was just in the right place at the right time in the six-yard box, and he's got across his man at the front post. Or, you know, the ball just dropped him just because he had a knack of 
where to be. Um, and he, you know, he scored 26 goals that season in a team that won the league. The day before the first, our first game in the Premier League, um, he did his cruciate ligaments. Um, the, the day before, um, and he would have been the starting striker. It would have been him, you know, him and Yukubu or him and Sheringham. He was the man. Um, he, um, so he, you know, he was out. That was absolutely heartbreaking. He then came back later that season played he wasn't fit he got rushed back because we were in a poor spell of form um he got rushed back he played a half away at liverpool um and did it again um the cruciate ligaments just went again um so he basically played in the space of um uh, just over two years he played 45 minutes of football um then he came it was 2000 around christmas 2005 again we're near the bottom of the league um, he on his return we're playing he comes off the bench against West Brom who are also down there um, and with five minutes left he scores the winner um, on his return um, he then scores against his former side West Ham comes off the bench um, and then he scores one of the um, one of the most important goals um, in the uh, of that season we're third to last game of the season we're losing against the that one of that record-breaking Sunderland side who were the bad record-breaking Sunderland side who um, we're losing to them 1-0 at home with um, 10 minutes left and we have to, you know, this is a must-win game he comes off the bench he scores um, just picks up a loose ball in the edge of the box beats a man puts it in the top corner um, so he equalises with 10 minutes left and then Matt Taylor went goes and scores a last-minute penalty. Um, he then scored a couple more goals um, next season, you know, after we've stayed up. But um, he then gets moved on. He plays for Wigan and uh, and Charlton before going back to Bulgaria. But he was he was an incredible finisher. Um, he you know he he was quicker than he looked, better in the air than he looked, um, but just a a fantastic player who I think would have gone on and scored some a decent amount of goals in the Premier League if it wasn't for for his injury. But that that game that season he had in in the Championship, scoring 26 goals in that side, um, he had a lot of good players around him. But he was his finishing ability was uh, definitely underappreciated. Remember much of him, Ryan? Not really, um, to be honest. But you know, looking through again. A lot of goals um, in a relatively short amount of time, really. And to to, to do your leg, you know your cruciate ligaments and then do them again, pretty much the, you know the first game back, um, it's just horrible. And you know, I guess imagine what things could have been different if those injuries didn't happen. Mm. Um, but I mean, yeah, I said I don't know too much, but it sounds like you know great club legend again for what he did for you guys and in terms of final day and, and just the goals that he scored so fair play Harry Redknapp signed him for West Ham as well if I'm not yeah. mistaken yeah I remember because I remember when he signed he got a lot of grief when he signed him for Portsmouth as well yeah and I think that red card second game didn't help matters um. yeah <laughs> um, he's just one of those players that kind of because obviously we read that going back and he was still there at that time as well um, I, I was actually at, the, at Anfield when he'd done his knee. Um, and I just remember the, it was like someone was drawn like, away from the, the Portsmouth fans who were there that day. Um, 
because obviously they'd, they'd had their player back and then moving them so soon as well. It uh, kind of just showed you what he meant to them and how important a player he was in that era as well. Um, so it was a big loss. And to get two of them to, to even come back after that at all, um, when you lose, when you do two back-to-back, is especially, again, in that time, what science and isn't like what it is today. Um, not saying it's like a nothing injury nowadays, but you'd much rather get one now than you would have 15 years ago, or 16 years ago nearly now. Um, but yeah, I think he's just one of uh, like for me, I, I never ever remember him as the as the bride, shall we say? It's always like the bridesmaid. Mm. You know, it was mm. always like a another striker beside him or a, a midfielder that kind of got more of the shine in the teams he played in. He but he seemed to be the the, the one constant of players who came in and out. Yeah, if you look yeah. at some of the players that would have played alongside him in that side, then the season we went up, it would have been like Vincent Perico, who's an absolute brute of a centre forward, or De- Dion Burson, or uh, Yakubu came in. Um, yeah. He was brought into English football at the end of that championship season. I mean, probably he, he gave championship <coughs> defenders nightmares. Um, <laughs> so they would all also they would all almost kind of be drawn to either the bigger or the the, the bigger frame or the bigger name, right? You know, um, and Todorov would he you know he wasn't he didn't look anything special. You know, quite quite slim build. Didn't look that powerful. Didn't look that quick. So he wouldn't get much attention. But his movement. Is what um, set you know set him apart from other players, and that's why I think he got so many goals. It doesn't look like he should be a football player, does he? No, he's <laughs> not got that look. <laughs> that's, it's a great last addition, though. Did you pick a captain out of all them? Um, Paul Merson will be my captain. Merson yeah. is captain. Uh, any players just miss out? Quick um, yeah. uh, like I said, uh, David James just missed out in goal. Um, I think I'm not entirely sure if he's retired yet or if he's just been a free, he's one of those, maybe those perennial free agents now. But Gary O'Neill, right, um, yeah, who was he? You know, Portsmouth lad came through at Portsmouth, played a lot of games for us, and then went on to have a good career. Um, um, obviously, I mentioned you know it, it was either going to uh, the midfield was pretty set, but it was kind of like that. You know, with Prozanecki, Merson, Diara, but that other one was the one I was a little unsure of. Chavi was obviously very close, uh, but Ronaldinho just tipped in. It would have been Iniesta if he'd officially retired by now, but but he hasn't. Um, <laughs> he, so he doesn't play in Europe anymore. He doesn't count. Exactly. So yeah, um, he would have been the, the that other one in midfield. Um, but yeah, they've they've just missed out. But you know, there's a whole. The whole host of players who I wish had retired just for this for this feature. I, I was convinced you were going to have Crouch, and I'm gutted. Um, I, you know, he had two spells at the club. He, you know, I think the second one he left under a bit of a cloud. Um, and you know, he, he also had that um, spell with Southampton. So he's not. He's. <laughs> you got to pick him for that. I mean, that's. He's. It, that's um, I mean, he got him relegated. So. Oh, that's the, it's, you know secret agent and all that. Um, well, in the, the, the game, Rednaps returned to Fratton Park with Southampton. He crouched mysteriously, got injured in the warm up. <laughs> um, but he's he's one of those. You know, he's a nice guy, and you know he did well in his two spells supporter, but he's not looked back as on as fondly as some other as some other players. That's very. So, I think. Same for most clubs he was at. 
I don't think there's many that have them down as that favourite or even hero type thing. Um, like I, I love him for his time at us. Um, he's kind of like a, a bit of a cult hero again for ourselves. But no, I, um, I like the team. Ryan, do you want to run it through? Uh, yeah, so we went. You went with a four-four-two diamond, and you actually stuck to the diamond as well. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, Peter Schmeichel in goal, uh, Linvoy Primus and Matthew Taylor at right and left back respectively. Sylvain Distan and Ricardo Rocha at centre backs. Uh, defensive midfielder was Lasana Diara. Centre mids were Ronaldinho and Paul Merson. Paul Merson being the captain and all this. Attacking midfielder Robert Prozanecki. And then you two strikers, Thierry Henry and Todorov. Great team. I'm, I'm happy with that. That's a, a team I'd enjoy watching every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, it, It'd be I, interesting. I, yeah. I, I can understand why DR is going to have to do a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be on his own and, a lot. I'm famous this time in Rocha as well, because I can't see Mike Taylor sitting back too much. <laughs> no. Diara played some games at Chelsea at right back, so put him at right back. Move everyone, move uh, Dish down to left back. There you go. You got. Well, yeah, you, well, you've got. You could go to a back three as well. You know, yeah. Primus, Rocha, Distan, You got Diara and um, well, Taylor as your wing backs, but then that midfield. <laughs> <laughs> There's no well, one doing any running there. Yeah, absolutely. No, I like it. I like how you've took it serious to positions, kept to the same formation. Not a proper formation as well, unlike unlike others. <laughs> uh, no, good. It's been good having you on. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, I have actually. It's been it's been nice looking back at all these players and the kind of memories you have. You know, I've got from going and watching players as, as when I was growing up. Oh, that's good. That, again, that's why the, the that's what the show's about. It's, it's the memories and the, the stories that you can tell and you can hear. Um, so I hope everybody at home has enjoyed it as well Greg do you want to pr- give any plugs to any work you've got going on just now or even just your social media platform um, yeah not much work going on at the moment other than <laughs> other than actual work um, um, so yeah just follow me on, on Twitter at Greg Kitchen Kitchen spelled K-I-T-C-H-I-N not as in the room <laughs> you're cooking um, so yeah just follow me if you want to um, see uh, the rantings of someone who follows a team that won't be getting out of League One anytime soon. And <laughs> uh, Ryan, what about yourself? Uh, my Twitter is at the Ryan Goodman, and I'm at Ali Thompson eighty four. You can follow Man in the Post at Man in the Post on all social media platforms, and depending on when you're listening to this, just check out the latest podcasts on all the Man in the Post, the Friday show, hopefully. By this point, football's back to normal and we're getting some sort of Sunday show back. Dave and Ross's chat man on the post um, and any other show that's out at the time. Just listen to the little ones. Give us a five-star rating and review if you like it. um, And just go back and listen to all the back catalogue. And always remember to keep your man on the post.